0: We had a deadline where people from our different subgroups had to hand in their um, wish list so we could uh, prepare a budget like six or seven months before the event. So, to have a rough idea of how much money we uh, would need to have the event of our dreams.
1: <laughs> Hello, TEDx organizers. Welcome to Solving for X, our global campfire where we learn about the art of organizing a TEDx event. I'm your host, Jay Hirati, and each episode we bring you a special guest, either a TED staff member or a TEDx organizer. Today, we have a special guest, Robert Bozak, who is the co-organizer of TEDx Dresden in Germany. Together, we are demystifying the topic of budgeting and finding ways to successfully manage funds for your events. Let's get started. Good morning, Robert. Good morning, Jay. Welcome. Nice to see you. Likewise, likewise. So tell me a little bit about your history with TEDx, just to get us started. Uh, When did you become a TEDx organizer?
0: So I've been with TEDx in our town, Dresden, which is uh, 200 kilometers south of Berlin, Uh, since 2016. We started with 100 participants. We went up to 700 last year and this year. And I've been a member of the core team from the very beginning.
1: What, what was your role in the team when you joined in 2016?
0: So, in hindsight, <laughs> I'd say I'm kind of the right hand of uh, Christoph Strater, who is the licensee of our event. And um, I've been, uh, so I'm a medical student, almost a doctor, and I'm used to doing everything, you know, from getting money on the table up to wiring the the cameras if it's necessary and um, my role was somehow to 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 keep things together when when the head who's responsible for relationships for shaking hand there's someone uh, always someone
1: behind who is taking care of the operational stuff so let's talk let's talk budgeting and obviously budgeting is Finding revenues and managing expenses and and coming to an event that is, you know, close to break even but not losing money and being able to do what you want to do is one of the most daunting tasks <laughs> for a new organizer and an existing organizer. I can say that hands down. I just came back from a regional workshop in Brazil as well. This is mm-hmm. what they think mm-hmm. about. When you ask them what the what's the part that they dislike the most, it's about managing the money, right? Because it's hard. It's hard and it sure. it's can be scary. Um, I want to start in a reverse order a little bit. Normally, we think first when we, or when we write down a budget, we think first of revenues and then we think of expenses. But in some, <laughs> ways, in some ways, like when you start planning for an event, you have to kind of get a handle of what the expenses are going to be so you know how much extra money you need on top of your ticketing revenue. So let's start with the expenses and let's pretend I'm a completely new organizer I have Uh, I've just signed up and received my application and you're giving me some some directions. Kind of talk me through the process of how you've done it uh, and what would be helpful to me. So, um, first of all, there are a
0: number of expenses that we call non-negotiable that are kind of core expenses uh, for an event. So, the idea is to make a general budget and here we have um, a chart displaying different... um, parts of a budget, and in fact it's the budget uh, from us in 2017, which has about 47% of catering, 20% filming expenses, 17% location, um, 9% speaker uh, expenses, and other expenses.
1: Okay, makes sense. So that's your first step.
0: Yes, um, having acquired like the um, fixed costs, so we we had a deadline where people from our different subgroups had to hand in their um, wish list. So we could uh, prepare a budget like six or seven months before the event. So to have a rough idea of how much money we uh, would need to have the event of our dreams. (laughs) Okay, I like that. So examples would be, We want to have a car on our stage. (laughs) Because the um, motto, uh, the theme is uh, embrace the future, like in 2017. And we wanted to have a car like back to the future. So we need a car on the stage. And uh, it costs about 1,500 euros. So this comes on the wish list. This is for the stage design team. Then the foyer activities teams wants a... Um, ASMR booth where people can put on headphones and listen to different sounds uh, as in our motto this year, listen. Um, this costs 300 euro and I need, so there's an Amazon list with different items that we want to buy. And then at a general meeting, after the finance minister looked through all <laughs> the lists and prepares them in a, sp- in a spreadsheet, we collect, We discuss in a, like in the big group the different uh, priorities, and then we always can compare um, what is covered and what not.
1: So it looks like a, as the the finance minister opens up the discussion on the trade-offs, right? But how do you guys, as a team, do you decide between a listening booth in the foyer and a and a car on stage? Um, emotions it sounds like it's
0: emotions (laughs) because we're not even if germany is uh, famous (laughs) or has a reputation for cold-blooded decisions that is uh, not uh, we're a group of students in fact that that discuss so no it's about what is necessary to fulfill the purpose of the event so we have the idea ice with ideas worth spreading we have a certain um, credo that we follow that is also very well um, conveyed via your work from the headquarters and uh, everything that sustains this message will be accepted and the listening booth is essential not essential to that and the car isn't either but the car uh, made great pictures that were put into the local newspaper and next year
1: it was easier to acquire a sponsor so need to think about those effects as well. By the way, you, you said that uh, your last event was 33,000. When, when you were before your event, when you started planning it, what did you think the budget was going to be? Did you estimate it quite closely? Or did you have to create a buffer?
0: It's, it's on the chart as well. So we estimated about um, 33,000 euros and it went up to 36,000 euros. Uh, essentially costs and the post-processing of the videos. It always gets more expensive to repair audio files or things that went wrong. And uh, so the, the buffer
1: buffer was at 10%. Okay. And you you kind of save, you plan for that a little bit? Not really. Um. <laughs> well, maybe we should. <laughs> now it's a good lesson. Everybody should plan It's a, a very 10 good percent. lesson. You know, it's like when, when you do a remodel on your home, uh, they always tell you like, Uh, Make a budget and then plan for 10% overage uh, if you're lucky. So a good overage (laughs) planning is probably a good estimate because there are unexpected things that you didn't know about. Okay, so now we have a budget estimate. It's $33,000. It's a little bit lower than reality. And now you have to start covering it, right? And you do that with revenues. Mm -hmm. So I know everybody knows that we think of two types of revenues one is ticketing and the other one is sponsor and if it's okay with you robert let's break them down and kind of start first with ticketing so walk us through how you approach ticketing how you think about ticketing so
0: ticketing is getting your seats full of people who are not just willing to pay the money but are also kind of um Uh, part of the the experience, so we thought of different um, ticket categories that uh, fulfill different needs. And uh, what we did, um, we have three different tiers in 2017 with a reduced category where we wanted to uh, attract uh, young people, students that aren't able to pay that much. Then you have regular tickets for let's say private persons, professors, people who who come there in their free time and then exclusive supporter and business tickets starting at at 80 euro that we seated in an exclusive seating area in the front row. They also had a business lounge in the foyer where they could interact and maybe exchange uh, contacts. And um, we knew that this would be interesting for people that want to support us. Uh, For example, um, we have a lot of uh, engineers or IT uh, employees that uh, wanted to support us, but couldn't convince their company to buy a sponsoring package, which started at 500 euros for us. So it was a good way to get local businesses into our conference without charging them uh, maybe too much.
1: So Robert, um, I'm curious how you came up with these rates of 20, 20 35, 80, how did you decide on these prices? So you need to look at your
0: uh, surroundings. So we, we looked at other events, uh, other conferences in our city and how much they charge for their events. And also at other TEDx events, like for example, Berlin is uh, close to us. And uh, the, our aim was to think about target groups and to think about their price threshold. So kind of what is their personal threshold? What are they willing to pay? And then um, we identified quite quickly that Dresden is a rather less uh, financially uh, um, strong city that um, where people are not able to pay 50 or 60 euro like in Berlin. So um, we thought about giving a reduced category of 20 euro to students because they are most probably our uh, main target group, referring to the number of participants because they watch mostly TED talks, they are on the internet, they are easier to acquire as potential customers. And then we went up, the next uh, step, how much is a private person, let's say how much are you willing to pay to go to a a conference that you maybe don't do not know yet and there we went to 35 euro and uh, for the business and supporters we thought about what are what companies do we have here and uh, thought they will start a little lower not 100 but 80 euro to get as many people as possible in the second year uh, attracted to our conference and um, Then it's a trial and error. So next year, for example, we had to increase prices because uh, we had to cover more expenses. But that's the process that we took in finding uh, the price threshold.
1: And I'm curious, as you've gone up from 100 event, 100 people in your first event to 700 people in your second event, were you able to Barely sell out. Uh, Did you did you fill out the auditorium? Did you have a little bit of extra demand? Do you feel good about the prices you chose?
0: Um, We were afraid of not selling 700 tickets, of course, because uh, it's quite hard um, for a newcomer like us to sell 700 tickets in the second year, but uh, we simply went for it (laughs) and uh, what really went well, you have the early bird tickets in the beginning where uh, TEDx fans from our community um, bought a lot of tickets, 20% uh, within 10 days. And then it was a really um, long and, and quite um, yeah, interesting process because um, it, we, we sold about 10% of the tickets every month. And especially in the end, where you have different waves of advertisement and you would increase the, the public, pre- like the public um, awareness of our event, people had a kind of feeling of the, the, the to, they needed to hurry up. So you would create a kind of artificial uh, you know, lack of tickets. So we didn't put all our tickets on sale uh, at, uh, from the
1: beginning. How did you give the sense that the tickets were sold out, but then suddenly they showed up again? I, I, what is that little thing you did in a month before? Can you clarify that? So, um, we used a ticket counter that displayed the
0: number of uh, tickets left. And um, since we didn't put all the tickets in there, uh, we had around 10 or 20 tickets that were shown in July that are left, and people bought a ticket rather earlier to secure a ticket and to not wait until last minute. And then when the ticket counter went to five or so, then we added another 20 uh, uh, tickets, for example, that weren't sold in the business category. And then we put them back to the market.
1: Okay, I see. I see. Okay. So this is good because you're able to still be honest and truthful. uh, Yes. by, By reserving some tickets for the higher levels and when they don't sell... Um, we move them to a regular admission. And by the way, we do the same at TED. We, we are always very hopeful about finding many, many sponsors. Uh, and there are always less sponsors than you hope. So we uh-huh. always shift towards the end. We shift some tickets from uh, potential partners to to audience uh, members. Do you use um, social media in the kind of the hype around ticketing and uh, what kind of what forms of marketing and outreach do you do for the ticket sales so we
0: did weekly posts in Facebook and also put on posters and uh, highlighted um, the, the advantages for every um, particular group for example what we did which is kind of interesting we created a ticket category or like a ticket um, special called Changemaker, where we faced the problems of Category A tickets that weren't sold. And then we had to think about how can we get these tickets used in a, in a good way. and. Um, we said, "Okay, guys, apply uh, to TEDx Dresden and tell us why are you a motor for change in your community." Because we want to support changemakers and offer them a Category A ticket at the price of 25 euros instead of 45. And then they applied, and we um, had final uh, confirmations who won a changemaker ticket, and uh, so we could uh, use this also as a marketing tool not just announcing, Hey, there are tickets left, but Hey guys, we have the change maker scholarship and you can apply for it.
1: Okay. So now you raised roughly 20,000 and you've need another 15, 16, or maybe another 20 from sponsors. Um, as finance minister, what is your first step in, uh, driving towards revenues? You, do you have people who go out and, uh, hit the pavement so to speak um yes i do before people go
0: out we come together and think about our core values of TEDx Dresden. so why why should people like us or what do we offer them and then we came up that we serve our community we serve the cultural landscape so it's also interesting for policy uh, makers and to businesses uh, that are seeking new employees, for example. And thinking about this kind of collection of values that we have, we would go out and approach people. And then we have a kind of
1: step-by-step list how we approach a sponsor during a meeting. Yeah, Fantastic. So take me into a meeting now. What does the presentation look like if I'm a sponsoring company or a prospect? So first of all, I would
0: ask you if you know what TEDx is, because this happens quite often that people are thinking that we're trying to sell vacuum cleaners or something. So (laughs) you should be very clear on what TEDx is and um, the the non-political aspect of it. And then it's a little bit about the sell the pen situation where we need to think about why shall I buy it but I need to think about it. Why do you need it in the first place? And there it worked very well to go with our passion. So what we did is we created this photo book where we would take them, uh, through our conference, like as if it were a, a, a tale, a history and where we explain, um, so, the sponsor is, for example, a company looking for um, students to hire. We would highlight the, the young audience we have that is very uh, international and open to new ideas, and therefore give them a feeling why it is good to invest into uh, in our uh, conference. If it were a local policymaker, we would highlight that uh, it's a local event. So, we have a co- uh, Percentage of about 50 percent 40 percent of speakers that we win- want to have from our town So that is interesting to them and this way. It's quite easy to get them on your side and Then at the end, it's easier to talk about the numbers
1: <laughs> uh, Thank you Robert for that extra detail. I'm going to ask you one more question uh, you, you are phenomenal. You and your team are a phenomenal team of of newcomers to the community. Two years is feels to you like a long, long, long time because I know how hard it is to do a TEDx event. But you, you are you are relatively new, and you've stepped your game up pretty quickly, going from 100 to 700 in the auditorium. Uh, it sounds like it was a successful event. What's the next big challenge for you? What are you excited? When is your next event, and what are you excited about? Um, so the, the biggest
0: challenge next year will be to um, pass on TEDx to the next generation because these events uh, profit or uh, are very much also relying on the, the um, chemistry between the people who organize it and uh, this year it was quite hard already to keep up with 700 people and a second stage and a, we, we had a lot of ideas and you feel that the team is really almost overloaded, which can be good because they grow quickly, where we, uh, like, but at the same time, um, you cannot manage it without uh, giving up your job, for example. So it was quite normal for us, uh, or for Christoph, for me to take one month off our job before the event because we needed to work full time to prepare things. So next year, it really depends on the next generation. But we, we, we have we have this legacy, you see, and it's hard to work with such a legacy sometimes. Yes,
1: well, you know, it's <laughs> that is the the blessing and the curse of TEDx, yeah. that uh, it's, uh, it's hard work, it sucks you in, and it's kind of hard to quit it, right? Because people, it sounds like your community loves it, your team loves it but it's really hard. I often tell folks and I'll, I'll mention this to you as well. Um mm-hmm. it's uh you know we have an expression here I don't know if it's an expression around the world that <laughs> it's a marathon and it's not a sprint. Do you have that expression in Germany? <laughs> yeah, too. Uh, so yeah, so do. sometimes going people go from 100 to 700 and for the next event they go from 700 to 1500 and and it <laughs> and, the, and exactly what you said happens. It's an amazing experience. Everybody grows, but it's very draining. So thinking about sustainability uh, and succession is is also preserving your own energy. Of the team members who started, can is can you have a smaller role in the next one? so that you can pass on the knowledge uh, and then probably if that's the case and everybody's feeling stretched stick to your 700 auditorium (laughs) i think 700 is pretty big i ran ted fest at 500 people and i tell you it's it's a good size uh it's a big event 500 people but um you know what ultimately you guys will decide i wish you good luck And I really hope that you will find a way to stay involved because you are uh, extremely knowledgeable and it sounds like you've done an amazing job. Thanks for taking all the time to document your work and to share it with other TEDx organizers. And uh, best of luck. Thank you very much, Jay, for
0: uh, having us and uh, for letting us share our insights. Thank you, Robert.
1: Take care. We hope you enjoyed hearing about what goes on behind the scenes at incredible TEDx events. For more information on topics discussed today, please visit the TEDx Hub and browse our resources from TEDx organizers all over the world. Feel free to subscribe and share this episode if you've learned something new today.